Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. All right, today on episode nine, yep, we're going there, horses in training, how to best show up for your horse and create realistic expectations about their training, developing empathy for the both trainer and the horse and understanding the value of being fully involved in the process. I just want you guys to know if you're enjoying these episodes, we have something super juicy for you. Head on over to the link in the show notes and you can join up Shaylee and Amber's Tea House, a monthly membership where so much goodness happens. Hello, and thank you for joining us for episode nine. We're super excited to have you guys listening. If you missed last episode, it was Mare Magic. It was a pretty deep, kind of sad episode about the reality that our mares face and just kind of a little mindfulness talk about giving them grace and space when they might not be feeling their best due to hormones or pregnancy or anything like that. So if you missed it, check it out. Um, This episode, super fun. So normally Amber and I kind of talk about what we're going to talk about before, but I asked her if I could surprise her because it all feels, well, for one, she's passionate about this subject. And for two, Um, it all kind of flowed together throughout the day for me, and I know it's going to be very aligned with her. So today we're going to talk about horses in training and why it's important to be present and in training with them. And just such a big topic. Um, and I say this like coming out of a lesson with Lockie Phillips today and feeling like so happy and uplifted after my lesson, but just the amount of times we had to change our expectations within that lesson for where the horse was in that current moment. It was just so important for me to be present with my horse and had that have been done with somebody else without me, even, even if I was just the observer, observer of someone doing that with my horse, there was just so much information within that one lesson. And Then I got a text from a client with an episode request for horses in training and like when we send them off, how they feel and how it is on their bodies and stuff like that. So it's a super big topic. Um, Amber, I know you require your people to be there. So what do you have to say about it? Uh, So much. Um, (laughs) I feel like I always tell people when they are trying to decide a trainer to send their horse off to, um, is I always tell them to go take a lesson from them because I feel like however that trainer makes you feel is pretty much going to be how they make your horse feel in sessions. Um, especially if you're sending horses off to just be started like the style that the person teaches you in, like the the energy behind what they're saying to you, even if you're on one of their horses and your horse isn't started yet, like that's the stuff that your horse is going to experience when you're not there, if you're not there. Um, 
I know in the starting process, it's hard for people to get there every single day. And, um, and so there's a little grace, right? You know, if, if you had the time to spend every single day and schedules matching up, it makes it a bit tough, but being present, you know, a couple times a week for those sessions, even if you're not directly involved is super important because, um, if it's a, a pro- if it's a horse that's being started, right. And it's fresh and it's either new to you or you've raised it or whatever to watch the process, to understand how they, that horse learns, like to see their little things, like maybe they're, you know, um, less confident on one side versus another, just these little like nuancey things that you're going to need to know when you take the horse away. Um, or especially if it's like a problem that you're having with the horse, um, the horse has anxiety or the horse has a bucking issue or a, you know, or a rearing issue or whatever the issues are. Um, because that for me and the horses I take on, that's probably most likely going to be stemming from the owners. Right. And so if those two things aren't being addressed simultaneously, then it's really what I did for the majority of my career was take those horses on and not know how to help the people. Um, And I will say it did get better. I mean, I never had anyone complain, but I knew eventually it was going to, at some level, go back to the way it was unless like the deeper part got worked out. Um, So yeah, I think the importance of it is huge, no matter what you're sending your horse off for, you know, especially if you're having behavioral stuff go on, but um, the energy of the trainer, I think that's what people never know. So I had the experience of setting my horse off to a trainer and I never had had that before. And it gave me a whole new level of empathy for my clients, mostly because I sent my horse off um, to a really great cow, uh, cow horse cutting trainer. He's been um, a friend of mine, mentor of mine for years and years. And I was, um, had started my horse and I really wanted to show him. He was very talented. I sent him off because I wanted to get him on cattle consistently and I knew I couldn't. And I wanted him to go somewhere where that was available to him for just like a month or two. Um, and then once I sent him off, I then was, um, uh, I don't know how to say it. I was, I was surprised with the fact that I was going to be getting a divorce. And so mid him being in a completely different state, I learned, oh shit, my life's about to come unraveled. I kind of knew it was unraveling already, but, um, and so he stayed a little bit longer than I had expected, but, um, having him away from me was weird and having him be able to be involved because he was far away was hard. But what I will say is that every single time I reached out to check in on him, he always was available to tell me everything. So, you know, if you're in a situation where your horse is far away from you, being with a trainer that doesn't get annoyed at you for wanting to be overly involved, you know, um, or just know, like you, you should want to, like, if you don't, if you have a trainer that finds that, like, annoying or off-putting, then that's probably not a good, you know, um, match either. So there's just like all these different aspects of it. Cause you know, in a perfect world, you'd be there every day and you learn everything along the way so you can carry it forward. But, you know, in a, in a less ideal situation like that, then at least you could do is have a trainer who's understanding of that and 
willing to, you know, have a conversation every day <laughs> if you want it, you know? So, so those are my random thoughts 40 minutes later. <laughs> well, in videos too, right? Cause I have some clients who I'm like, well, do you ever like, will they send you videos? And they'll be like, oh, well, I requested a video, but haven't really heard anything back for a couple of weeks. And that's just so crazy to me because yeah, sometimes people do really hear of a trainer that has a good reputation and they're out of state or whatever. And I think at the very least, like videos are important too. And just knowing also like sending your horse off. I feel like I run into this issue with horses where they get sent off and, um, their tack is different. Their feed is different. Like they, everything changes their environment, their friends, their saddle. And I think it's so important to visit them, at least in the beginning, because oftentimes owners will have no idea that the saddle isn't fitting because some trainers, you know, they're not saddle fitters and they only have certain amount of saddles that will fit on the horses. And like, it's your responsibility as the owner to go there and like, see how the farrier is taking care of their feet, see what you do. You agree with what's being put into their bodies. And if not, you know, make some changes there for them nutritionally or make some tack changes so that your horse is really, really set up for success. Because I have a lot of horses that go to training and while they don't complain because they don't necessarily know anything else, you know what I mean? Especially like the young horses, like they just don't know any better. They're going to this new environment and this is just what it is, but they will have aches and pains or fatigue or whatever, because not, not typically from what the trainer is doing or the type of training, but the fact that there's a little bit of a time limit put on the trainer and expectations put on the trainer to deliver certain services within a time frame. And the horses are usually working like five days a week, you know, like I feel like a lot of trainers work them consistently and they don't often have like one week or two weeks to really like let down and like decompress, which is so important. You know, I I feel like it's hard for maybe owners to pay for horses to have that decompression period. But I really think that it's something that, that should become more normal and more mainstream because a lot of horses that I talk to, they go straight to work and they hold so much energy and tension in their bodies. And the young ones, especially because they're growing and everything is changing for them. And they just kind of struggle with like everything hitting them at once. And if we look at that from like that perspective, um, I think it kind of like opens your eyes a little bit, but, and even just that expectation portion. um, I have a friend who took on a horse uh, for halter training. Like the horse is like rideable, whatever, like, like older in life. And the person was like, I really want a um, compassionate trainer who's not going to like cowboy him around and who's going to like halter him because he was like basically uncatchable essentially. Um, and so she took him and she had this time frame to work with him. And, and he wanted like the expectation was that he would be halterable by the end of the month. And she started working with him, sending um, the owner like videos and stuff like that, but teaching him an entire different language, right? Because he 
was used to being haltered through like pressure or force. And she is more of a positive reinforcement trainer. And the person never came out to see her language that she was teaching him. So anytime the owner, so when the owner came to pick him up, he couldn't halter him. And there was such a big like issue with that. And she was like, well, you didn't come out. My language is different than yours. Like there's a reason why I offer lessons. It's like such an important piece. And I think if people looked at it that way, where like, sure, you are sending your horse to a trainer to learn, let's say like basic neck reining, which makes sense. But your trainer's balance and like you said, their energy is different than yours. And you do it was so important for you to learn the language too, even if you think that you already know it. Like you might be able to sit on any horse and neck rein them, right? But your horse might be learning this for the first time, or at least they're learning this version for the first time. And it's just not fair if you don't learn it too. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is that um the horse that I sent off, I started him. I was actually the only person that had ever handled him because he was just a little stud muffin out in a pasture full of brood mares <laughs> running feral. <laughs> so I, you know, there was no, um, there was no one else. Right. And I started him. And so when I sent him off, when I went back to ride him, to pick him up, you know, and I spent a couple days up there riding with him and working with him, I could barely ride him. Um, because he had only been there for three months, but it was like, his sensitivity level, his, you know, what he'd experienced had changed. Um, he got, you know, he got pushed pretty hard because he was at a performance trainer. His experiences were different there. He'd been pushed a lot. He'd been exposed to a lot of different stuff and ridden in a way where he was being prepped to show basically, because this is what they were doing at this barn. And also my relationship with the trainer um, was that of like, he wanted this horse to be good for me. He really wanted it, especially because he knew what was going on for me in my personal life. And I think because of that, he got pushed even harder. You know what I mean? Because he was trying to give me as much as he possibly could. So it was all well-intended for sure. But also this horse is, um, Celeste just posted something, I think a couple days ago about the fighter. So, um, the horses that won't shut down the horses that won't and he, that, that is basically him. And so he pushed against going too fast. Like it, you know, it, it, um, there was some, there was some pushback on his part. And he had said, this is one of the toughest horses I've actually ever started in my entire career. And this is not a new trainer to, to the scene. And so, um, so when I got out there to ride him, I was like, this horse is like taking off with me. Um, and it was wild. I was like, what, I don't even know how to ride this. And it was He's still like that, but I've learned how to just be on him and be present on him and use my body and my energy in my seat, where I think a lot of trainers will do that naturally. I, I had been a trainer for years and years and years and years. Okay. <laughs> At this point, like, it wasn't like I just learned how to ride, but I came back to a horse who had, like I said, he had different experiences. His sensitivity level was different, you know? Um, and I had to really like adjust what I was doing on his back. Um, and it took me until I got home and to really just like unwind and be with him a little bit before we could reorganize our relationship. And he's great now, but people can get on him and I can stop him just by like saying, whoa, from like a dead run with nothing, bridal us. 
But at the same time, someone can get on him and they'll be pulling on the reins and he'll be running off with them. It's like this. (laughs) So if you're not like, if you're not going and spending time with the trainer to like you said, like learn the language, like it's going to seem like you just spent a bunch of money on um, something that, and you didn't get what you thought you were getting when really you just don't understand how to get it. And so, so yeah. Yeah, such a big piece. And that expectation piece is so hard too. And that's like the reality of our world with our horses and what trainers go through and why I think some trainers are resorted to like taking shortcuts or maybe like the integrity of training. Like we, we've all heard stories like horror stories, you know, with trainers and I think it kind of comes down to like the client's expectations as well. And just taking a deep dive into why are you expecting this of your, I know that money is a thing, but like if we took money out and just felt into like why we're sending our horses to the trainer and what our expectations are and like, can we be okay realizing that this is like a living breathing being that is mostly agreeable i mean almost all horses are like mostly agreeable if they can physically do something they're so willing giving them that grace to be that living breathing being that they need to be on a day-to-day basis and if it takes a little bit longer i think it's important to adjust those expectations and being there will help you understand why it's taking a little bit longer understanding how they are from a day-to-day and like perceiving their environment and um just real quick from like a horse's perspective something that just kind of came to my mind is um shoeing and like changing their feet because obviously when horses are at a trainer they use the trainer's farrier like they they have to switch farriers the majority of the time And like, let's be real. Like there's no two farriers that are the same. Like everyone does something a little bit differently. Like the angle is going to change or the balance or whatever. Um, That is really hard on our horses. You guys like making those changes to their feet, the sensory awareness, the balance, all of that. And then they have to go perform a new task immediately without like even two or three days to get used to those feet, that is something that needs to change because it creates so much compensation within our horses. And I just don't think that there is enough awareness around how big of an impact that actually makes to switch to a, to switch to a new farrier in general, actually, like even your horses that you have at your property, and then you switch to a new farrier and you make all these changes, they need time to remap their body when those changes happen. That was a little bit of a squirrel, but very valid. Yeah. And I think to speak from a trainer standpoint, the pressure really most of the time comes from the owner. Um, I think most trainers would ideally want to go slower. Like I don't experience that anymore where I'm at in my career because I just won't take courses on where the owner has that expectation for the first two weeks. Mostly it's them being integrated into my herd and, you know, spending time just like sitting and being with them and kind of just like identifying. So I get to do that, but it's because I have owners that are understanding of the process because usually by the time they get to me, they're like, this is 
where I've landed and this is all I can do now. Like beyond this is I either have to get rid of this horse or, so I feel like they come to me a little bit more prepared and open for a different alternative, but um, the pressure really does come from the owner, you know, cause I do think most trainers know I could do this slower and better, but because I know I have to feed my family and I got bills to pay and, you know, what trainers get paid is so ridiculously cheap for the amount of hours you have to spend. <laughs> um, good trainers, you know, I think a lot of trainers have started to raise their prices, um, but it's still, when you break it down, it's like nothing, which is why I don't really take horses in training anymore. Um, I have two here right now, but it's because it was a previous client and I know she understands all of this stuff and is willing to get the body work done. She's willing to do the dentist that, you know, is going to take the entire body into account. She's willing to do the things with the feet that need to be done, you know, and there's sand and there's ulcers. It's like, if you don't have a client that's willing to look at the big picture and do all of the things that need to be done, even if it means slowing the training down to take care of the body, then they're only going to be able to do what they can do. So it's really changing that mindset around your expectations of, you know, I'm going to send my horse off to training and I want this, this, this to happen. It's like, well, your horse has ulcers, your horse, you know, your horse has been wearing a saddle that hasn't fit for three years, you know, and now it's cinchy. So now it needs to understand that piece. It's like, there's so much that goes into it. Um, so I, I, I do feel like most trainers would prefer to go slow and they know how much needs to be done. But then I think, you get wrapped up in the pressure of, I need to feed my family. So uh, let me stick this martingale on, or let me, you know, I'll ignore the fact that the horse probably has ulcers because I only have it for 30 days. You know what I mean? It's like so much goes like bypassed. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I think that's why there's so many like online avenues now, right? Where owners can meet with the trainer who's out of state. Like my lesson with Lockie, he's in freaking Spain. And I had like a perfectly great 40 minute lesson today from Tennessee, USA. So there are those resources now where trainers can look at you virtually and help you out and help you be more involved that way. Um, and then there's, then there's those stories where horses do get pushed hard and they get injured and the person is like frustrated because the horse got injured during training and I feel like the trainer gets a bad rap and it's just kind of interesting to me to hear it from a horse's perspective because when I talk to the horses they almost always feel that the trainer is well-meaning like almost always I feel like I start this conversation with people like this trainer is so well-meaning, but my body can't handle what they're asking of me, or the footing is really different from what I'm used to. And I had a hard time with it or the saddle didn't fit or whatever. And it's just kind of sad that it does fall on the trainer because, because of those expectations. But I will say that horses, they tell me that the train, they feel that the trainers are well-meaning. They don't typically, at least my clients and granted my clients, obviously I'm an animal communicator. And so people who really, truly care about their horses come to me. It's not like I get like the, the lessers, <laughs> like, what do I call them? <laughs> that like, don't believe that their horses have emotions and feelings and like lives. But, um, 
Yeah. They almost always say that the trainer is well-meaning, which is kind of sad. It's kind of sad that they get pushed like that, knowing that the person comes from a space of like, and this is kind of near and dear to me because sometimes people don't hear me either when I'm speaking through their animals to them. And I have to apologize to the horse. And it feels like shit. It feels like absolute shit to be like, oh my God, it's making me emotional. It feels so bad to have to tell a horse. I know that you're telling me this and your person is not hearing it. And I can only imagine how many trainers have that same exact experience. Like, I know what you're telling me. I know you're not, your body's not ready for this and your person isn't hearing it. And I'm sorry. Like that sucks. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Cause I know of a couple people who have talked to communicators who have said, oh, my horse doesn't like this, but da da da. And it's just interesting to me. They're like, then why did you even, <laughs> why did you even have the session if you weren't going to honor what they were saying? Is I find it yeah. fascinating. Um, and I also, to speak to the horses feeling that, I feel like for most of my career, I was so um, unaware of a lot of this stuff, but I feel like I always was like thinking and feeling like I did, was doing the best for them. Like I was like, oh, this is going to help them X, Y, Z. Like this Martingale is going to help them find balance. And you know, then it takes out, you know, the inconsistency of my hands sometimes if I use this thing or, you know what I mean? So always did I have the intention of, I feel like I'm helping the horse by doing this and probably they didn't kill me because they, did, because they could feel that. Um, I don't really feel like I ever had horses that I was pushing out of ego to like prove myself like that never felt like it came into, um, into my space, except for my own, actually, that's a lie, um, except for my own. And they're the ones I have now that were obviously like forgiving of me. And I never did it because it was like, I need to show the X, Y, Z, but it was like an internal, like, I know you can do better. Like, I know you can do better. We just did this yesterday. That whole conversation that goes on for so many people. We just did this yesterday. There's no reason why you, I know. And it was this energy of like, I'm going to push you because I know you can do better. And then I'm, it was just interesting. So it never felt like this is going to make me believe I'm a good trainer, but it was just this totally different energy that I had with my own horses. It's very strange now that I think about it because <laughs> I'm different now with them. I'm just kind of, Oh yeah. Good job. You know, you spun to the left and they're so much more correct now and all this performance stuff. I don't drill it in at all. Like I'll get on, teach a lesson and then you know, warm them up a little bit. I'm like, I wonder if you still know how to spin. And it's like so much faster, so much cleaner, so much softer in the body. And I'm like, and I literally don't even practice it anymore. <laughs> so it's just this <laughs> thing, thing that you go through. I know a lot of people say, well, it's different with, for me with my own horse, like communicating with my own horse or doing body work on my own horse or working with my own horse. Like, I feel like it's like that for everyone. So like people need to know that it's always harder with your own horse. I know. I feel like I had, I feel like the reason why I was like so emotional after my lesson with Lockie this morning was because of how much like grace that we had with the horse that I was working with today and how much we like changed for him and 
Lockie's ability to just be able to say like, Hey, did you see that expression? Or did you see this? Like, this is a big piece of your journey. And I went into the barn and my horse that I've had for 10 years now was staring at me. And I was just like, fuck man, like, thanks for being so patient with me because I remember just being frustrated. Like he has always taken care of me, never bucked me off um, has always loaded on the trailer. Like he has been such a constant taught me how to communicate just an all around, just freaking badass horse. And I'm like, I cannot believe like, (laughs) like how much he put, I I mean, I don't want to say put up with, but it is, it's like how much he allowed me to like fuck up and keep fucking up and like pressing on. It's so crazy to me. And then like, I took him into the arena and all he wanted to do was stand by the gate. And so I just told him, so then I just started listing out things I was grateful for. And I was like, well, if that's all we do today, that's enough. And I like walked away and then he started following me and I was like, oh, glad you heard me. (laughs) But I'm like, man, I really took you for granted and, and like was very well-meaning, but had the expectation of like, yeah, like, why can't we just walk, trot and canter? Why is that such a hard thing for you? You know, and then you start uncovering what's going on in their bodies. That's why I encourage everybody who I come into contact with to learn as much as they can about the body and about saddle and all this stuff, because you don't know what you don't know. And like, if you don't learn about the body and stuff like that, you just don't know what to look for. Like, I will get pictures of horses sometimes and I'm like, man, like, how do they not see that? And after the session, if the horse doesn't bring it up, I'll be like, Hey, just so you know, like, did you notice this in the picture? Like, this is something that you might want to look into. And it's just crazy how there's a lot of horses. And I know this is why I love Celeste's work too, is that she really does like educate people and Tammy on like training their eye and like what to look for and the things that are probably like not right in the horses. And a lot of people don't know what it looks like when a horse is being pushed too hard and how that manifests in their bodies. Yeah. And it's crazy as a trainer that I didn't know shit about the body. Like there's a lot of stuff that I did intuitively over the last, like probably starting in like 2017 where I started to just like get these like thoughts that would pop into my head as I was working with these horses. And it was like, you know, then I started describing it as like, okay, so like, if you just imagined a hose was stuffed up their nose and all went all the way down their spine, like just find the kinks in the hose. Like, like I didn't even have language. I didn't understand anything as a trainer who over 20 years does no shit about the body. Right. Until literally you know, last year where I started, you know, we started having Sandy Vreeberg come out and she does a lot of the Masterson trainings and Jim would be here doing the certification. So I started to like see it secondhand and was like, oh, hold on, (laughs) hold on. There's actually words for what I'm trying to say. And then meeting Tammy and meeting Celeste and having them on the podcast and then like learning from them and being like, oh, there's this entire world that I had no idea. And that should literally be like a requirement of a horse trainer who is doing nothing but manipulating their bodies should really know about how the body works but you don't (laughs) you know what I mean like you don't know what you don't know um and I kind of went on a little rant yesterday on a live I don't know where I did it I think it was in my private group where I was like don't be afraid to start and because you get overwhelmed with information and think you have to know everything Um, 
because that sort of happened to me and I got into this like paralysis last year where I was like holy crap like I don't know enough to even be near these horses and it freaked me out but also up until I didn't know all of that intuitively I was doing things that were really serving the horse so I think it's about like really slowing down and listening to what your horse is saying in each moment and actually paying attention to, you know, like what's going on for them and not getting like continuing your education and understanding forward, but like not letting it overwhelm you and go, oh my gosh, I can't even go near my horse now. It's, it's like a fine balance of learn it and then listen to what they're telling you about what you're doing with them. I, I, have felt that way in the past where I had to learn everything, but I also felt like I didn't even know enough to advocate for my horse. And I feel like we've talked about this in one of our other episodes where I was like, I just don't know enough to say anything. I'm just going to have to trust the professionals. And I feel dumb even asking questions because like, this is not my lane. And that is just not a thing. Like there's so much education out there. And I just agree wholeheartedly with that, that like, you don't have to know everything and be freaked out that because there is a balance, there's a balance between that's where you lose your feel. And that's what I was talking about in the membership where there has to be a balance between learning something, analyzing the body, but then connecting the mind, body, and spirit. If you're so heavily focused in the body, the spirit gets low because there's negativity and resistance that comes with that. Or the mind starts getting frustrated because there needs to be more play or whatever. So like the mind, body, and spirit are all connected and yeah, learn what you can, but then like keep the play and do little different things that kind of connect those three pieces. Yeah. And I think when you're balancing between those three, you leave the mar- the margin for magic <laughs> where I feel like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of woo that comes in where all of a sudden you're like, how did this thing shift? And I don't know, I didn't physically do this, but you know, x-rays now show that this XYZ thing is gone. You know, it's like, there is stuff in there that I fully wholeheartedly know is happening, but sometimes can't explain it. And I think when I first started my, I redid my private group. I had a whole private group that was so aligned with my old training, trainer life (laughs) that I literally had to stop the entire group. And there was a lot of people in there and I was just like, I quit. Like, I need to like close this entire thing down and start over. And we talked about doing woo Wednesdays and, um, you know, people will say that all the time, like, oh, it's all very woo. And it's like, well, why are we saying that? Like, what is that? And somebody's description of it, like sat with me and stayed with me forever. And it was like wisdom openly observed. So it was like, you're seeing this. Happen in front of you. Like, and you're tapped into this bigger knowing that humans were, you know, that understanding that there are beyond what we can comprehend happening. Um, but it's what happens. So if you're so rigid on this is what this needs to look like, this is what the textbook says, or you're too far off into La La Land, it's like you need to like balance those things out. Like I I learned it, I understood it. Like, okay, let's feel into what, you know, the body is saying or what the horse is saying or what 
spirit is saying or what whatever <laughs> yeah so good so good well i think we've reached the time of our awkward goodbye thank you for <laughs> listening to us and uh we're not really sure how to end this but um see you later <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us today. We had so much fun. If anything in this episode feels like you heard your a little bit of your own story in it, then please feel free to share with us. Also, if you want more, the membership, Shailene Amber's Tea House has got a pretty healthy start going. And um, we just continue to add really cool things and cool people to come in. So if you're not in there yet, get in there because it's so much fun in there actually it is a lot of fun very inspired and connected and we want to see your faces so join it 